Is this the first time? Yeah. Well, when, when did you, did you do that yourself? Like with the Clippers or? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I got tired of it. I'm tired of dealing with hair and especially as it gets thinner and thinner, you're like, fuck this. So. <laughs> This is the PitCast. It is late November 2022. This is Matt Moss speaking, and I have with me tonight Lorian Elliman. Hello, Lorian. Hello. Always a pleasure. And Dan Picard. Hello, Dan. hey Hey, Picardo, is this the first time you've recorded with us, or did you do one other with us? One other. Yeah, I, uh, I think we recorded um, kind of like a year ago or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was, I, th- I think Dom was the other person on the, on the cast when I was on last time. Oh, was that when we talked about Arabian nights? No, it was pre, it was pre a uh, deep dive on the sets. It was uh, <laughs> okay. like still middle of COVID. I think Juniper oh, okay. was okay. probably like six months old or something like that. And gotcha. yeah. we were yeah, still very, those... very deep in the COVID. Yeah. How are those uh, deep dives going by the way? Um. Well, we've done. Uh, I think two, excuse me. Yeah. Two, we did, uh, we did Arabian nights and we did antiquities and I think legends is kind of daunting, right? Because it's this enormous set. Um, honestly, it's Nick roars, baby. I've just been kind of helping facilitating with getting people scheduled to record, but, um, I don't know. I, I think maybe we'll try to do another one this winter. Like maybe when there's a dearth of other things to talk about. Don't are you really going to go through like the, every card in the set? It seems like you should just do pick each person should just like pick their top five or something yeah. like that. Yeah, we we so the the first time when we did Arabians, we went through everything, and it was I mean, granted, Arabians is a small that's set, doable, yeah, but it was still pretty onerous to go through the whole set. So when we did Antiquities, I think everybody picked ten cards, right, Lorian, or something like that. Oh, I think it was okay. just five. Just five. Think, yeah. Even that took a while. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you spend a couple of minutes per card. You have four people on a panel. Sure. It adds up. Yeah. So I think the five cards would be fun. It might also be fun because, like, Legends is such a massive set. I'm just spitballing here, but like, we could do part one and two, and one would be like. Everybody pick five cards that are not gold cards. And then part two would be like, let's talk about some cool, weird gold cards. You know, I don't know. I'm just spitballing, but we'll see. It's kind of, like I said, it's Roar's baby, but, you know, I end up kind of helping get the scheduling done. How are you guys doing? Good. Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, getting ready to go do some traveling for the holidays. Um, uh, what's tomorrow? Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to Austin to see family uh, mm. flying. This is the first trip we've had to actually buy a ticket for Juniper because she's been under. Sure. And you get to fly for free until a certain age. And now the cost of flying is <laughs> added a third ticket onto our flight is not cheap. It's it's pretty rough, but. You know, we're going to do it for Thanksgiving. We're going to do it for Christmas. And then I think maybe next year we'll probably just fly to one person's family. We're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. What about you, Lauren? Are you going back home? 
No, I'm sticking around for a Friendsgiving with some um, friends who were grads in grad school with me. Mm. But uh, I was telling you earlier before we started recording, I've got a little cold right now, so I may have to cancel those plans and just, uh, you know, eat a rotisserie chicken by myself. <laughs> you could just you could just pull a carter and not give a shit about the well-being of your fellow man <laughs> yeah so i um it's like a potluck so i did i'm on the hook for bringing mac and cheese and i'm like ordering it catering from a restaurant and so i got a quart of gravy as well so if i don't go over i'm gonna have a huge platter of mac and cheese and a quart of gravy and nothing else for my thanksgiving meal Oh man, I might swing by. <laughs> <laughs> just eat, just eat like bastardized poutine all weekend. Yeah, Beth and I are crashing her friend's family's Thanksgiving up in Naperville, so it'll be nice, you know, thirty mile drive and do zero prep or cleaning of any kind and sit on the there couch all day. My sister wants to do a goth Thanksgiving, so she's everyone's good. Uh, the theme is goth. The food is gonna be like I'm not sure. What the, like black I know food gonna be, Yeah, yeah. There's gonna be like deviled eggs. There's gonna be I don't I don't really know, but everyone's gonna be wearing black. Uh, we bought Juniper like a black turtleneck to, to wear to the goth Thanksgiving, so it should be fun. We'll see how it goes. Get the black lights going. Yeah. I did a catering last year, so I hosted and I just catered everything. I got to say, I've never tried to do like a Thanksgiving turkey on my own or do all the sides and all that shit. And even the catering was like a bit stressful, you know, like making sure everything was heated up at the right time. So I can't even that's the only way I'm going to do it from now on if I host again. So the key the key there is do as much prep as you can the night or even a couple nights before a lot of your vegetable chopping, you can make your mashed potatoes a day early if you want, or at least boil them a day early and then heat everything up the next day. So that way, day of, you're really just doing like final, this is turning into a cooking podcast. Yeah, it is. Like Thanksgiving the, with the Lords. Yeah, right. At home with the Lords of the pit, um, in the pit. But like the, that way, the day of, you're just doing like assembly, final, you know, whatever, and then your bird, right? Because the bird is a stressful thing. You don't want to botch that. And then like with the bird, you know, you got to make sure it's obviously thawed out all the way. And, you know, you got to have that baller seasoning, I guess. I don't know. I like doing the whole spread. It's challenging, but it's fun. It's a lot of work, but it's always rewarding. Hell yeah. Well, how about keeping with the autumnal theme here? Um, why don't we dive? Uh, so I, I think for tonight, I had like two main topics, 2.5 topics. So number one, let's look at the fall brawl that we did last weekend. And also, Picardo, I think it'd be fun to touch base on the South Bend event that you and I went to. What was yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, early October. Yeah, Let's touch base was... on that a little bit. And then maybe look ahead a little bit to um, Christmas Chaos because we actually have a couple of new new cards that we're adding to the mix to discuss there as well. Um, do you want to start with Fall Brawl or do you want to start? Uh, do you want to go like in chronological order and start with that Thrash Bash? Let's do uh, let's chronological. I, I, that makes sense to me. We'll do the October event and then the November event, and then we'll talk about Christmas chaos afterwards. Yeah. Does that Hell sound, yeah. Sound good? Okay. Yeah. Um, do you mind? Do you want to set up the the South Bend Thrash Bash and what that was all about? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was called. Uh, it happened on October eighth, and it was called the Midwest Thrash Bash, uh, hosted by uh, Dave Gura. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, but he's in South Bend. Indiana. Yeah. Um, do you know if he's affiliated with any clubs? I know he the 
the thrash bash had at least five or six different clubs there, but I'm not sure if Dave himself was involved. Yeah. I don't know if that was a, yeah. See, like I, I wasn't sure if that is an actual club or, or what, like the ebb and hands, or if that was just like, you know, a marketing so, gimmick. I don't know. Like, if, cause I don't know how many guys were, I know there were two guys that had the handle ebb and hand. Cause I played against one of them and you played against the other. Yeah. Dave, Dave was one of them, but there was another guy, but I don't think they're like affiliated. Okay. Or if they are, my apologies for botching their origin story. <laughs> well, great, great event. Dave, it went super smoothly. Dave hosted, I don't know how many guys, was it uh, 24 or something like that? I had it written down. It was close to um, 30. But people traveled from from around the Midwest. Uh, according to the write-up, there were people from Cleveland, the Cleveland Rocks. Uh, there was um, Columbus Cobolds, the Indianapolis Gins, the Indy Gins. And uh, then a couple, then the Lords with me, you, and Jacob. And uh, we drove about two hours. I think we left like 7 or 8 in the morning to get there. To yeah. Get to South Bend for the yeah, because they're on East Time. Um, so the charity was, uh, the cultivate food rescues backpack program. That was something that Dave Gura chose. Um, apparently he raised about $700, $707 for the, uh, the charity program. Um, and it was a thrashing themed tournament. So, um, if you've ever seen the movie thrashing, which is from the mid eighties, uh, an old Josh Brolin movie, um, like around the time that Goonies came out. So Goonies era, Josh Brolin, uh, he's um, it's a skateboarding movie. So it's, it's got some pro skaters in it. Tony Hawk, Tony Alva. Um, so that's Christian young Tony Pesoy. Hawk, right? Yeah. 85. Yeah. Something like that. I watched the movie when I was probably like 15 or 16, but I haven't seen it in a while. It took me a few minutes of wandering around the room to realize, Oh, this is thrashing themed because all the tables had yeah. characters from from thrashing to identify what table you were at yeah there were prizes that had it was like a thrashing vhs deck box they had turned a vhs box into a magic deck box yeah an old prizes. an old clamshell case yeah there was a skateboard like an 80s skate deck was one of the threat was one of the prizes you could choose from um and uh it was yeah it was um it was thrashing based <laughs> <laughs> that's so, commitment to a theme i i feel like i can't think of the last time maybe the twin peaks thing that you went to moss that's the yeah, last time that I was something that really stuck to a theme yeah that was very heavily themed uh what about the venue dude tell uh describe that venue because it, it was like a historical i don't know if it was state was it like a state or city historical building or something like that yeah, it was called the Studebaker Mansion yeah. in South Bend, Indiana. And um, we were playing on the second floor, which I think is a restaurant. They call the Tippy Canoe Restaurant. I think there was a brewery involved, um, but definitely there, you know, they had a, a solid beer list and a pretty good food list as well. So it was just this historic building, probably built in the late 1800s, early 1900s in South Bend. Gorgeous place and the banquet hall that was kind of hosting us was just like set up perfectly for how many guys that were there yeah i i assume i i did zero research but my assumption or, or guess is that it probably ties in with like studebaker automobiles or 
motorcycles or whatever, something in that regard. And you know, what was interesting is when we were leaving, you know, it was this kind of prototypical culture clash of any multi-purpose venue, right? So you have all of these like gnarly dudes in denim with backpacks upstairs and then uh-huh. down below is like a bridal shower a wedding or a bridal yeah. shower yeah yeah so we're all at the end we're all like trying to you know they're trying to do photos and shit you know like for the bridal <laughs> shower and like we're just like meandering around and like cutting our through. backpacks yeah <laughs> our like sleeveless denim vests yeah. <laughs> with our identifier our gang identifiers yeah that's such um, a funny contrast. I feel like, you know, if we all were in denim vests, we would, and back patches and all that stuff, we would kind of look like badasses, but the backpacks just kill the look. The 100%. <laughs> How else are you going to carry around 50 grand worth of cardboard? <laughs> yeah. And, and nobody leaves. Everyone's carrying it at all times. Nobody leaves exactly. it around. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got a kung fu grip on this backpack. <laughs> Oh um, yeah, the venue so, was sick. The venue was sick. It was really cool. They had, a, I think, a restaurant in there too. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, so Joe Stacco took it down. Yeah. Um, he was playing a shops list uh, that had, you know, Suchi, Trike, and I think Serendipity in there. Um, not sure. Have you? I should probably pull the list up here, but. Uh, he had the his whole deck in. I, I was just going to point that out. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like all, triple or card, quad sleeved. Yeah. <laughs> every card was slabbed. So he would the stack of cards was like I don't know twelve inches high on the on the table, and he like was holding these slabbed cards in his hand like as his hand. Um, never seen anything like that before. Wait a minute. They weren't slabbed as in graded. They were in top loaders, like the thick outer shell sleeves. Yeah, that's correct. Sorry. They yeah, weren't yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you can't shuffle those easily when they're all no. in top loaders. Yeah, he pile, yeah. he was pile shuffling the whole the whole day. Yeah. Do you think I, that was a joke, or do you think he just he's really concerned about the value of his cards at this point? Uh I thought it was a joke, uh, but I you know. Matt, do you know? I didn't even speak to him about it, so I didn't ask him. I, I, I would just assume I'm thankful that we use for the most part. We allow just full proxies now, so you don't have to worry about it. Like if I don't want to use my pricey cards, I can just use fake ones, right? Right. Uh, because yeah, I mean, just from from a gameplay standpoint, yeah, it, it can slow things down. But I don't, I don't think he went to time or it, he wasn't like no. slow playing. So yeah, there's no, nothing. No. You know, all's well that ends well. It's just a little bit wonky. Seems he played he played fine. I mean, he took yeah. first place. I, I don't remember anybody really going to time all day. Uh, there was a lot of aggro in the room. Hell so yeah, I played I played an aggro deck. I played a green-white, um, basically weenies deck with Pendlehavens. Um, I really, really wanted to do well with just a green-white deck because I feel like Savannah is um it gets a bad rap and i'm I'm just tired of hearing people shit on savannah all day so i wanted to put together a savannah (laughs) list that could not be built without savannas and do okay and i was fine i top aided i was at the second i think in the last round i was against dave um for we were basically playing for second place so whoever won our match did take second so dave the tournament organizer he did take second place he had a green and black weenie list with three Pendlehavens. So almost like similar to mine. We both played three Pendlehavens. We both had Lanoir Elves and Scrib Sprites. 
and he played um yeah i don't know but hit hit his deck actually was more efficient than mine, and he there was a couple of blowouts in like I think our games went to three, but for instance, there was this one play that was hilarious. Matt, I think you might have taken a picture of it, but yeah, I saw that. Uh, he had you know we were both playing very low to the ground decks, so I only had a couple lands out. He strips both my lands. I have what's left is two Lanawar elves and a Scrib sprite, and I attack in with those. He taps his Lanawar elf and cast Sandstorm to do one damage to each of my weenies, basically clearing my board, leaving me with no lands, no creatures, no artifacts, no enchantments, just done. And I think I was able to claw back for a little bit more damage in that game, but he obviously just, once once you get that far, you're, you're basically favored to win that match. Oh, I would have scooped immediately, as Lorian knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. For, foreshadowing yeah. right there. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that, and I I don't think I took somebody took. It was either me or Jake, or somebody took a photo. And like when you zoom in, Picard, you have like this incredulous grin. Like you're smiling, <laughs> but it's not like smiling from joy. It's like smiling, just like God damn it, you son of a bitch type smile. Nobody fucking plays Sandstorm, and I've always <laughs> thought that's an underrated sideboard card. And yeah, he got me with the Sandstorm. It cleared my board. It was a three for one after he stripped me. Oh, he stripped God. me off Pendlehaven and another land. And Ooh, so here you are. You're doing the wonderful. Lords. You're doing the Lords' work. You're playing green white. You're at table two in the last round. You're going all in on the attack, doing what the aggro wizard should, and you get mutilated by Sandstorm. <laughs> that's the story. Yeah, rough. What yeah, creatures? You, you... Oh, go ahead. Oh, um, I was just going to ask, did you have any plays of the day that you were especially stoked on? For me? Yeah. Um, so I played rug, just a straight Arabian rug, just kind of went up the curve with apes at one, pixies at two, dibos at three, and a couple of Ernie's at four, and a bunch of burn and shit. Good cards. Mm -hmm. I did keep a... Um, so against not the ebon hand that you played, Dave, but against the other ebon hand, I played, I kept, I think, a game one zero land opener that went like Mox, Lotus, Dibbo, and I had a bolt or something in my hand. Mm -hmm. I could have looked this up again. I did zero research, but uh, so I had like a playable but wonky hand. And I'm like, well, I've got like a couple good things. And I had a couple of low casting cost things. I'm like, I'll, I'm sure I'll draw. I'm sure the deck will provide. So I go with this turn one Dibbo and I'm just beaten down, beaten down. And I keep drawing cards, cards, spells, cannot get any lands for like three more turns. My first land is like a library or maybe it was a strip mine. It was a brown land. Hmm. And uh, the dude ended up shatterstorming away my one ruby at some point. <laughs> so i'm just sitting there with a dib my only board is a dib who's just grinding on my opponent <laughs> and i ended up getting there with the damn dibbo too wow that was it that was basically the only spell you played the entire game yeah i mean there was something like later in that for like five turns yes and then like wow. i stabilized and got a couple things out that you know but by that point the dibbo had put me way ahead anywho i don't know you, that lose, to, you lose to one swords <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't know why i chose to keep that hand um probably shouldn't have but sometimes you get lucky hey. i don't know so that wasn't really a quality play so much as a wacky one right. well hey look zoom has given me 10 minutes and then i gotta uh 
sign out for part two. Okay. Uh, that's just because Lorraine and I were on here talking for a while before you logged in there, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all good. So uh, in 10 minutes, then we'll take a part two. Tyler will stitch this shit together and post. Yeah. Tyler. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Lord Edders for his stalwart editing here for us. Um, uh, yeah, the rug deck was fine. I mean, it, it, it drew pretty well. Um, you know, it's a powerful list. It was fun to play for a day. I haven't played rug in a really long time, so it, it was enjoyable to play it for the first time in a couple of years. And I think I lost one game to city in a bottle all day. So I kind of yeah. just played fearlessly through that. Nice. And I had, did well. Yeah. I used crumbles. Like that was my plan. I had two crumbles in the main, two more in the side. So, you know, I tried not to overextend myself. If somebody, if I thought they might have bottle, maybe not play the third creature, you know, I don't know. We'll see, you know, wait and see what happens, but yeah, it was cool. You did well. I think you ended up in fifth. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Who did I, my only loss was to a dude on mono white mm -hmm. and his list was sick. He had a bunch of banding dudes. He had Pegasus and Benelish oh, heroes. Yeah. I played that guy. Yeah. 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 That list was sick. Um, which which reminds me, I wanted to go back to your green white. Did you use banding creatures like Tundra Wolf and uh, uh, what's the green wolf? I forget Timber Wolf. I I did play Tundra Wolf, but not Timber Wolf. I wanted to go hard on first strikers. I played eight first strikers oh, yeah, that's with, right. with four giant growths. It was um, four Tundra Wolves, four Elvish Archer, four Savannah Lions, four. Elves, four Scrib Sprites, four, yeah, and then four Giant Growths, one Berserk, and then, you know, four Strip Mine, four um, Mishra's Factory. Yeah, I just want, I went hard on creatures. No burn. I'm not playing any, any red. It was just green, white creatures. And I did not play Sylvan. I made the conscious decision not to play Land Tax or Sylvan Library because I just wanted to go all in on the creature plan with Giant Growth and, just try to get there. And I, I felt like it was a very consistent deck. Um, it was oftentimes dropping a creature turn one and two more creatures on turn two. And usually having a backup like Lanawar yeah. Elf for a giant growth here and there. I played the giant growths a little conservatively. I was holding on to them to play defensively against yeah. creatures or bolts. And, or if I could get one, get in with the win, I would play the giant growth. I, Played the solo Berserk, but didn't draw it all day. Not no. once. But you know, I mean, that's what happens when you play with us yeah. one card, one card in your in your 60s. So did you use uh, here's a question. Did you use crumbles in addition to the disenchants? Oh, that's right. Um, no, I did not. I just played disenchants and swords. So it was so that's the that's the other stuff that rounds out my deck. Four swords, two disenchants, and then two more disenchants in the side. Man, I think. It depends on the meta, but I think you could get away with playing Disenchants and Crumbles sometimes just because you can blow up factories and moxes and there's just so many juicy targets. I'm with you, man. Crumble is sick. I should actually, I think that would have been a good, a solid play to have a, at least a crumble or two in the sideboard. Or dust to dust. That's a good value play. True, yeah, but that's true. a sorcery yeah. and it's double white. And it's three yeah. mana, which sounds like it would yeah. be the most expensive spell in your deck. Probably. I think I stayed off. Yeah, I think so. And I think I stayed off any double white or double green or double white cards. Also. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. 
Here it is. I just pulled it up. Is there anything I'm missing? I did play one balance. Oh, I played Pixies too. I forgot to mention the Pixies. So yeah, a lot of creatures. I uh, didn't count them out, but I think I played at least 20 creatures here. Did you get blown out by anything besides Sandstorm? Mm. Like Earthquake or um, Falling Star or anything? I did not. No, I didn't see a single Earthquake or Falling Star all day. There was one interesting game I played against, I think his name was Kyle. He was on Mono Red Goblins. And so, like I said, there was a lot of aggro in the room. And we really went at each other. And I think I did finally get a cop. And this was game two, so I got a cop red out. And he had me at three life. And so what happened was I was basically unstoppable, you know, at that point, because I could just basically stop any goblin that was towards him. And I had flying creatures, so I could get over with the, with the script sprites. So what he did is he cast a black vice and then wheeled. And I was basically dead on board. I went to my draw. Um, yeah, so let's see. I went to my upkeep with the black vice trigger on the stack. And my new seven, I had one giant growth that I could cast. So I cast it on my Savannah Lion, and I had six cards in hand, took two vice damage, brought me to one, and then I was able to claw back from there because <laughs> vice, vice was his only play against me because I had the cop red out. There was really no way he could get other damage on me. And as long as he didn't take me off all my lands and I didn't tap it out, didn't tap out, I was fine. So I was able to claw back from that one, but that was, that was a close one. That was almost a blowout with the, the final like vice into wheel. What was your what was your other loss besides to Dave, to the black green or green black? Um, let's see. We're going back um, like over a month at this point. I uh, I don't. See, I can always I can always keenly remember my defeats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I did have I was the top of the three twos, but. My, I looked at my opponent match win percentage. It was like 72%. It was like the highest. It was over 10% higher than everybody else. <laughs> uh, so I was the top of the three twos, but I don't remember what my second loss was too. I just remember losing to Dave because it was final round and I was so close. Yeah. It was a real close match. Yeah. Um, Dave got there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we got three minutes left. Any final thoughts on South Bend? And then we'll we'll take a quick halftime break and then come back and look at uh, Fall Brawl. Um, I quickly want to shout out Jaco's deck um, because, as always, he it was a sick deck. Uh, he was playing a Titanius, like a five-color Titanius, so maybe four-color Titanius song. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Absolutely gorgeous deck. Um, all signed, all just like beautiful cards, but also I think he had some bad luck on the day. Um, he was having some consistency problems, um, but I just want to shout out Jaco's deck, which was, which was sick. And the fact that the whole drive up and there and back, he was reading scuba diving lesson <laughs> literature because <laughs> he was getting ready to learn how to scuba yeah. dive. So he was just in the backseat reading scuba lessons while you and I were just chat like John at each other for two hours there yeah. and back. Yeah, it wasn't a bad drive. I think it was two and a half or maybe even less than that. And um, I hope they do that event again. I mean, it's an easy, it's an easy day trip, I think. Um, I you know, we we had six total Chicagoans counting Stacko's crew that made the trip. And, you know, I could see it see us sending out two cars again next time. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Two minute warning. Um, so I'm gonna hit the stop button and then we'll come back for chapter two. Bye. 
right. This is chapter two of the Pitcast. Uh, the nice thing about these little breaks is it gives me a chance to fact check myself in real time. So number one, the Studebaker House was is a national uh, historical site uh, per the plaque from the Department of the uh, Department of the Interior. Uh, number two, fact check. So that hand, Lorian, I was telling you about that I kept that zero lander. It was Ruby Sylvan Library Lotus Double Dibbo Lightning Bolt and Chaos Orb. Oh man, that's foul. And I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember if I was on the play. So I think I might have been on the draw. So I got an eighth card. So okay. I'm like, I'm like, okay, there's. 53 cards left it's gotta be a land either this turn or next and then it was like a few more turns and then my first land was a brown land um but with that brown land and if i recall correct me my ruby i was able to get that um chaos orb in play and like neutralize some threat and then my dibbo went the distance something like that it was all a month ago but it was a pretty foul keep Okay. Uh, speaking of foul keepers, chapter two, uh, let's go into the fall brawl. This was fall brawl five held last weekend at Demon Tap. Um, this again is our fifth installment. It's old school 95. Uh, we did our, uh, as the past couple of years, we did a toy drive, uh, part one of our toy drive for this year. Got a nice big grip of toys. Um, and yeah, just an awesome event. Um, Lauren, yeah, is this is this kind of your event? Um, like, is have you always kind of organized this? Is is does OS ninety five hold a special place in your heart? I don't know. I mean, I think it was the first event I organized for, like the first Lords like tournament that I'd organized, and that would have been October, November, whatever of twenty eighteen. So I guess it holds a, a, you know, I'm proud of we've done it five years in a row. Now, granted, during COVID times, we did it, uh, you know, as a month long tournament style, but, you know, having run it, it's our longest running, I think, Lord's event in the city. So that's cool. Um, longer, longer than the, uh, the players ball. We only did three of those. Oh, that's true. I guess it doesn't really count if it's taking a break. Yeah. We did yeah. that 17, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Players ball would have been older had we kept doing it. Yeah. Um I guess old so Ice Age does hold a little bit of a of a special place in my heart just because like I have distinct memories, two two memories tied to Ice Age. And I've I've told both of these on the Pitcast before, but whatever. Number one, buying Ice Age packs out of a vending machine at a high V grocery store, like alongside packs of like baseball and football cards. <laughs> just thinking about when they fall, they just like immediately go. <laughs> LP, like you never, <laughs> you never get any near mint packs out of that vending machine. No, never. Um, and then the second being, I spent hard-earned paper route money on a on a starter deck box of Ice Age. So, like, I'm cracking starter decks and just getting all of these <laughs> basic lands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of snow covered lands. <laughs> a lot of I, you know what? For a long time, they're worth 90s, money now. For a long time in the nineties, I had the snowlands covered. Yeah, all my original cards were lost. Like all my cards from like 95, 94, 95, 96 were all lost. Are there um, any cards from your original days 
that stand out. Like for instance, at a recent fall, fall brawl, I wanted to sign, I wanted to get my Aaron the Relentless signed, the Homelands mm. guy, because I had it still from back when I opened Homelands cards in 95. That's sick. And I was like, this is the guy I remember the most from those days. So were there any cards like that for you that kind of stick out that maybe you don't own anymore, but you used to love? Oh, there's a handful. I mean, so this gets ties back to chapter one, but like Elvish Archer was one that I was always a real big fan of as a kid. Cause that I'm thinking Ice Age, Ice Age. Cards. Oh, Ice Age cards, excuse me. Um, or Homelands. I don't know. One of the 95 cards. So a card I loved as a kid was Pit Trap because of the art, right? It's like from, it's like a first, it's like a POV of a dude with a spike going through his gut. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I loved the art on Naked Singularity. I didn't know how, I couldn't figure out how the card worked as a kid, but um, See, I, don't, I don't think I know that one. It's a Tadine artifact that changes the the color that mana that lands produce, oh, and it's got okay. a cumulative upkeep. Got it. Okay. Um, let's see. As a kid, I had a Necropotence. Didn't know how to use that either. Oh shit! Really? You had a Necropotence when you were a kid? I don't oh, think well, I yeah, ever I cracked a whole starter box, dude. Yeah, I had, yeah. <laughs> I had a whole bunch of bullshit. Okay, here's a card that I thought was super powerful and, and busted. I had a a Jund colored uh, deck that used Thalids and then Martin Stromgald, that red legend from Ice Age, that he gives every creature XX, where X is the number of creatures attacking. Mm -hmm. So if you attack with ten creatures, every creature gets ten ten do a hundred damage. That's like a strategy that cannot be stopped <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah. Those early games, there weren't, it was, it wasn't like that all uncommon to get something like six or seven creatures out because I remember back in the day when we didn't know how the game works, nobody played removal. Everyone just played more creatures. So it was like, you know, your eight creatures versus my nine creatures. <laughs> yeah, removal Those, was removal was pit trap, baby, or royal yeah. assassin and stuff like that. That was the removal was royal assassin. Yeah, yeah. So I had some friends that taught me how to play in high school, and I didn't really pick it up until college. But like, I watched them play a few games, and it's just like you were describing. You know, twelve creatures on one side, fifteen creatures on the other, just like playing the creatures turn after turn. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. And then when I started playing, I was just like attacking as soon as I could and as aggressively as I could. And it was so anti the, uh, I guess, the culture that my other friends play. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, well, look, like, you know, if like I'm going to trade or like, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this X, Y or Z. What are you going <laughs> to do about it? And they're like, no, we're telling a story here. We're playing out all of these cards. <laughs> I want to see all these cards that I put in my deck and line them up. And then there will be one attack that will decide the game. <laughs> so you were an anti-social grinder from the word go. <laughs> oh yeah. I was a sweat hog from the very beginning. And how about we use that as a perfect segue into this year's fall brawl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So first uh, off, uh, Lori, congratulations on the five O on taking you. it down. And, uh, and also, Personally, thanks for doing the write-up for us for the website. I appreciated that. That was a great write-up. Hey, but, thank you. Yeah. But um, yeah, give us a give us a tour of your custom stew. Yeah. So um I had been playing Necropotence basically every year for so for the four out of the five um fall brawls, I played Necropotence and uh love the decks that you could create with it. The 
uh, combo Necro was was mostly what I played. And uh, I got second place last year, which stung. I love this Necro Mirror deck that like I had been working on for a while. And uh, I just decided to put it aside because I felt like with first and second place both being Necro decks, maybe it would kind of have a target on its back. And so I decided I wanted to play a red aggro deck that had Black Vice in it. And what's that best deck that can do that? Well, it's Atog. Um, so I really didn't put too much thought into building the deck. I just knew I wanted to play a red Atog deck. And then it's like, do you play dibs or not? Yes, play the dibs. Uh, do you play Mind Twist or not? Yes, definitely pay, play Mind Twist. Just like all the nastiest shit you can play. Um, and so I got a stock list. I actually think I started with a stock list from Will McGran. It was like the 2018 or 2019 eternal weekend winner. And I just kind of like smashed some other cards together. I played relic barriers cause I thought they might be good against like Mishra's factory and uh, reanimator. And that's kind of like the new sick tech is to run relic barriers in Atog. Uh, but I like didn't pay that that much attention, and I ran twenty one lands and like all these other decks, all these other Atok decks are running nineteen. Uh, but that actually helped me in a few games because like I got into a strip fight with uh, Tim Buran at some point, and he just like he kept like a three strip hand, and he thought he was just gonna like knock me out, and I just like kept playing lands, like kept yeah. like I would like ponder, and there would be two lands on top, so I would keep it, and then I would draw another one, so. I love that feeling though. Like when your opponent's blowing up all your lands, but you have like a three land keeper and your first draw is a land. So you just roll through their strip mines and then cast your one drop and annihilate them. Yeah. And then I think I drew two strips. So like I stripped one of his colored lands and then I stripped his strip just to like protect the other lands that were in my hand. Um, so yeah, it worked out fine. The, the So it's basically an OS 94 ATOC deck, which is just like really a cynical perspective to take it's like you know ice age doesn't add that much some of the things like you incinerate may not even be as good or it may not be better than chain lightning for example it's probably just like as good because it costs one more and it's an instant yeah. you know which is which is beneficial uh but i was just thinking like important was really the only thing that i want is main deck because it lets you look at three cards it let you know it like it gives you good card selection and atog is just full of busted shit like the best cards in your deck are basically time twister and wheel of fortune you just want to like play those as many times as you can like optimally you like play wheel of fortune and then play time twister and then do it all again great just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so our beloved 95 discussion is just yet another here's how atog works discussion thank you lorian <laughs> Yes, we know Black Vice is good with draw sevens. <laughs> and Portent helps you like Portent helps you dig to those cards. That's why Portent is so good in the deck. Sick I, innovation, I really, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know what said, you, you know what pissed me off about your deck was the main deck earthquake, man. Let's get into that shit. That's good. Sure. Yeah. So so the deck that I copied, it had two main deck earthquake. And God, um, I've got this sweet um Brassard altered fireball that I won from um Urza's Chalice that I just like there's just some cards like that you know that it's like I just want to slam in every deck for a while I was putting terror in my sideboard the uh Q cup terror just sure. in every sideboard even if I wasn't really going to use it because I loved it so much so right now my like you know golden child is this fireball 
And it's pretty good. And it can sometimes be better than Earthquake. Situationally, you know, if you can't get, take the damage yourself, it's better. So I just went for a one-for-one one split. And yeah, um, I think Earthquake is is pretty useful. You know, you can pump up your ATOG easily to have a pretty big Earthquake. Serendip doesn't give a shit about it. It's just a good way to to kill all the ground shit so your ATOG can get through. Yeah, it was brutal against me. So my deck... Uh, I was on white weenie again, the little blue splash. Um, and uh, the only Ice Age cards that I really used were the Pump Knight. I mean, I was guilty of not using a lot of Ice Age either. So I had the the Order of the White Shield Pump Knights. And then I had a couple sideboard cards. I threw in Mystic Remora and Zeran Orb. Yeah, I had Mystic right? Remora in the sideboard too. That card yeah. is sick. Yeah, and I, I smoked Ray with it uh, one game where like I flooded out early and then drew the Mystic Remora so I could pay to just keep it alive for a long time. And I drew like six card extra cards off of it, um, even though, so he had like locked me down early and I just drew my way out of it with Mystic Remora later on. But uh, yeah, in, in our game, well, let me back up. So previously I'd played 94 White Weenie in Des Moines and I had a lot of success against ATOG with my pro red blacksmiths. Um, and I cut him the, the, two drop blacksmith for the for the extra four pump nights uh pro black pump nights and while that was good against ben jones who played the abyss and i was able to just get through him with my eight pro black knights it was really unfortunate Lorraine, when we met in the last round uh because i didn't have that pro red source to go to to shut down atog granted you had dibs too but um yeah, yeah, that, no, that those, earthquake those smoked great. me when you blew up three of my dudes at once. Yeah, yeah. So you like um you played as Savannah Lions. I think I was on the play or something. I can't maybe I stripped. Uh or I had a mox or something. So, you know, I see Savannah Lions, I go DT for Earthquake, thinking yeah. that, you know, I can like bide my time or whatever. Moss lays down two more creatures the next turn. I draw a mox. I've already got a strip mine in play. I play another strip mine, another mox. So I strip both of his lands and then earthquake for one with the mox and the city brass. I have. Oh, yeah. I uh, lost my whole board. Harsh barge. So, so I did not pull up Picardo and try to fight back. I just said, let's go to game two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, no, the, the white weenie was fine. I mean, it was, I think three and two. What was my other loss? Um, brain farting now here. It'll come back to me. I had one other loss, though. Did you play against Roar? Oh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. You're right. Yeah, I played against Roar, and he was on, like, just, it, all, you know, unlimited burn. He had four four chains, four bolts, four incinerates, four side blasts, and four dibs. And, um, like, he just got way out ahead of me. Again, I wish I had those pro red guys, uh, but he had, you know, he could have side blasted him, I guess. But Yeah, Roar is usually on super spicy stuff but he went very <laughs> um very low to the ground aggro this time around and i got very lucky i played against the first round really didn't see what he was doing either game because he just had really i think he drew like every side blast in his deck you know <laughs> like he's got all these one cost cards and he just like drew every awkward expensive card that he could yeah yeah roar went for the gusto this time and, and fell just short he did finish in second place though yeah. And uh Ian was on mono black. 
Yeah, mono black aggro with necro. Yeah, he was in third, and then white weenie was in fourth. Um, yeah, and then if you keep going, uh, Atok was in fifth. Uh, five color burn was in sixth. Goblins was in seventh, and Dreams was in eighth. So you have seven aggro decks in the top eight. Hell yeah. Ricardo, what were you on? I thought you were in the top eight. Wait, so wait, who was eight? Was that Ben Jones? Is that yeah. the first? Is that the first Necro deck? No, no, because Ian Ian, Ian had Necro. Necro. He was okay. on Mono yeah. Black and he, Necro. And he was third. Okay. All right. So Necro did make an appearance twice in the top eight. I was on a actually a list that was inspired by Nick Rohr. Um he I think he he won a tournament at Hopewell in the beginning days back in the in the 2016 yeah, pink. with a four, I think it was, a, it might have been pink actually now that I think about it, but I, I know it had four disc, four mana vault, and I wanted to do something with that as well. So I did, um, I did a burn disco deck, so it, it does play three discs um, and four four trolls but everything else is pretty much aggro um it plays four incinerates four lightning bolts four chain lightning three fireball um four black vice and then it does play three trikes so that's the other creature in it um and then it plays the four factories and four strip mines um i had trouble with the engine on that deck from game one i played against sanders in game one and he had a sick deck. Uh, he had that Lich, yeah, uh, Lich combo with Fast Bond, Necro, and Glacial Chasm. You know, yeah. and he added a he had an extra card into it, which I've I've played Danny on that deck before. But as far as my understanding, I don't know if Danny played the what's the draw twenty illusions, card? Of, the, illusions yeah, of grandeur. Yeah, so he played illusions of grandeur. Four as well. mana draw, four mana gain twenty, draw twenty. Yeah, it was um, it was funny to watch him sort his hand of twenty cards after after that, <laughs> and with fast bond in play too, right? So he's yeah, just like yeah. going to town. That's pretty fucking sick. In a weird way, I thought I was favored because I did play. I had the discs. And so on this game two, I think I, I had like two mana vaults and a disc in hand. And I was like, all right, well, all I got to do is just keep disc in play and I will win this game. All I got to do is keep disc in play and burn them out. Uh, didn't matter. I think he actually was able to either shatter or crumb. No, maybe it was a, he was able to shatter my, my disc mm. and, you know, post gate post sideboard in game two, I had, the solo shatter um, in my sideboard. So I brought it in against him and I knew all I needed to do was hold on to it for mirror universe. Just wait for him to play mirror universe, shatter it. And there's really nothing else he could do. Um, I was dumb. I thought I had the game sealed up. So I shattered something else like a Zeron orb. And I was like, well, I got it this turn. Nope. He came back. He like drew 20 came back. And like, I think we went to time at that point and we were on turns and he was just like, I got you. And he like, just kind of laid it out for me. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I I think I have a feeling that there's always going to be one player on that Lich deck now for forevermore. Like there's always going to probably be one reanimator deck. There's always probably going to be one of those nasty Lich decks in our 95 field. I mean, I think, I think it's a sick deck and it, it, it does it break, it breaks all sorts of rules. And as I think it's cool if one person's playing it, I don't, 
or maybe two, but I, I wouldn't really care if I was playing against that deck like multiple times in a day. How, yeah. And you've, you've got a, I wouldn't want to play that deck more than one, multiple rounds. Yeah. But um, I think, I think it's cool. I think it's creative. And I think you got to be a good player. You got to play fast. You got to know what you're doing. And like, not ever, I don't think everyone could pilot that. I couldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to pilot that. Um, I mean, you, you know, literally you gotta... lose to a disenchant. Like, you know, if somebody disenchants your mirror universe, yeah, you kind of die. But like with Lich, you lose to it. So you lose to yeah. dis to, you lose to, or I think also if you disenchanted like their illusions of grandeur, right? Like, wouldn't they would lose on, 20... on the stack? Yeah. I'm trying to think how that would work. Yeah, I think <laughs> you have to do it on the stack. Yeah, it's it's either like they can gain twenty and then you can destroy it and they lose twenty. But the the best thing to do is it comes into play, trigger on the stack, you disenchant it. They lose twenty life before they gain twenty life. There you go. Yeah, but with Lich, but out, with they Lich would, and play, they would have to sack twenty permanents. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's got, probably game over. He's got fast bond. It's just kind of he is playing cards like he's playing lands, you know, and it doesn't matter if he takes damage or not. Yeah, with glacial chasm. Um. Let's shout out to some of our travelers that came in. Um, so first of all, we had Alan Finney that drove up from Nashville. And Lauren, do you want to set that up? Yeah, so uh, Finney is a, a friend of the Lord's, has been for a long time. Uh, and he, uh, I think Casey came up last year yeah. from Nashville. So I guess it's you know requirement the Nash villagers get together and they decide who they're going to send up to try to take down the tournament from us and it was finney's turn this year so uh so yeah he uh he came up he ended up staying with me because you know if you can help a friend out why not and uh he actually told me about mana crypt i forgot that it was like a card that existed oh, in the yeah. format yeah so i crammed a mana crypt into my list and um yeah good dude great dude uh now a um honorary lord yeah, yeah, honorary lord of the pit. Yeah, so um, he got one of the he he joins that very small and elite cadre of dudes that has the gray lords of the pit patch. Shane brought one to hand out to him. That was really cool. And um, unfortunately, we wanted to get some more black patches in time for some other individuals, worthy individuals, but they just the order didn't get through in time. But so so more to be revealed on that in the future. Yeah, for people living in Chicago, it's not, you know, it can, um, it's not such a big deal. Like, we're kind of lucky in that way. If somebody in Chicago wants to go for a chaos or a patch, for example, they can kind of do it whenever they want, you know? Yeah. Whereas people from out of town have way fewer opportunities. Yeah. And speaking of people from out of town going for their chaos or patches, um, our prodigal son, uh, Charlie Han, was in town last week for um, traveling through from his island sanctuary to uh his uh desert home and uh our son our oh, son charlie came yeah. home <laughs> yeah so came we, home from wandering the the northern wastelands so. yeah i met up with him on thursday for supper um after i was done at the pantry and i was like hey dude you should are you gonna be here this weekend you should play 95 with us on saturday he was like oh holy shit hell yeah so he ended up building a deck real quick um, and coming and hanging out. And that was, he said the first magic he's played in person in over two years. Wow. I know. 
Uh, and he went for his orb patch and he flamed out spectacularly. I think he, <laughs> did he even make it to 30? I don't think so. I think it was 29. I think I remember hearing it was 29. <laughs> I think he beefed it on number 30. Um, I, think that, I think that happens most of the time, right? Like more often than not, if somebody's, I mean, he, he wasn't, he hasn't played magic in two years. He wasn't practicing either. So he was just no. like free balling this chaos or patch, <laughs> hoping for the best. Yeah. How many shots did he go for? Did you see? I think it was three to miss four. Okay. Was so it the he, Cabanes? Yeah, yeah. I saw him walk back there with four shots of Cabanes or maybe it was three. Yeah, I think it was. I He didn't go big enough. I think if he'd gone four or five, he might've gotten it, but. Um, you know, that rust was showing through that he, he was rustier flipping orbs than that truck. He was trying to trade for workshops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, it was really good to see him and catch up with him. Um, who else did, I think that was it for travelers, just Alan and, um, oh, and Robert Vincent drove down, man, you know, that dude, he drove down by himself from Sheboygan to Des Moines. And then drove down by himself for this uh, for a fall brawl five. That dude is putting in some serious solo road miles. Is um, uh, Sheboygan pretty far away? I really have no. It's a few idea. hours, a yeah. couple hours, I think. Like and three hours, yeah, each way by yourself. And that Des Moines trip, I think, was like six or seven hours each way by himself. Ooh, yeah. So shout out to him, the road yeah, warrior. Shout out to Rob, Robert. Um, who who won our award for using the most ninety five cards? Was it Alan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. Okay. okay. Or and no, no, it was 13. It was, was it, it was Ray. Was there it were Ray? two prizes. Ray won first place and Alan won second place. I think. Hmm. I think Ray had like 19. I want to say. Yeah. Right. Am I getting that wrong? Ray, Ray was running Jester's caps and Jester's masks and trying to copy artifact and just do dirtily shit and steal a bunch of cards out of your deck. Um, I'm not sure like the total amount he had, but that was basically what he was on. It was like workshops into Jester's caps and masks. It was pretty sick, but you know, a complete Ray deck. Yeah, he's in his most com- the most comfortable spot, last place. <laughs> yeah, he was nestled in there at the bottom. Dude, he he and Robert were at going to turns in the last round, and they were both zero and five. Somebody's <laughs> trying to get one win, and they're on turns <laughs> in the last round. I'm like, I'm like, guys, come on, man! You're like literally holding up everybody to close out this event. <laughs> oh, uh, somebody's got to get their, there. Get that W though. Uh, there was one interaction I wanted to bring up on this day. I, I um, played against Chet, and um, he was on a a merfolk deck merfolk 95 i do kind of want to pull that deck up um and he was playing four spikes which uh and now that i'm looking at his list he's only playing two which is awesome because what happened oh you know what he's got two in the sideboard what happened was and i in our game two was um i think we were both at three life uh you know we we're both playing aggro low to the ground um and he is, uh, what happens is, I think I, I have four lands in play. I draw a fireball. And I know he's got four spikes. I'm, I just can feel it. I know he's got like two cards in his hand. I know one of them's four spike. So I'm like, okay, so I've got four lands. I can fireball for th- exaxes and stay up on the four spike. And what happens is, 
And also, I forgot to mention, he's got a Dibbo in play. So I didn't even need to do three damage to him. All I needed to do was two damage and then oh, let his Dibbo no. kill himself. But yeah. instead, I, don't like I, go for, I go for Fireball for three. I think um, maybe I had five lands in play. And either way, I had one up to stay off, stave off the four spike. He four spikes, and then I pay it, and he four spikes a second time. Fizz fireball fizzles. He attacks in for the win on the next turn. Dude, you are inventing new ways to get soul-crushing <laughs> losses. First, he it's the... He got me with double force spike, which normally that's a two. That's kind of a two for one. But he was able to to pull in for the final damage on the next turn. It, I thought it was a great interaction. Couldn't even be mad at losing to double force spike. I was actually kind of stoked on it. <laughs> Were you you never expect double force spike. Like no. you never expect that. Ricardo, did you have that same smile you had when you got sandstorm? It was exactly the same. Exactly. <laughs> Copy paste that smile. It was, and I, I had to congratulate him on that one just because I knew if I hadn't have been greedy, I just fireballed him for two and let his Dibbo kill him. It would have won me the game, but that, you know, you never see the second force yeah. spike coming. That's so brutal, dude. Good for you, Chet. Good win on you. Big ups, Chet. Um, any closing thoughts on Fall Brawl? Hmm. Uh, D-Men uh, continues to be an amazing space. Love it there. Would love, you know, our, I don't, is that where Christmas Chaos is going to be? Yeah, yeah, we'll be yeah. back there in, in two weeks. It's a perfect space. Yeah. Perfect space for like 18 people. <laughs> Any more than that. Yeah. You're Anything, pushing, pushing the boundaries. The most we've ever ran there, I think, was 22 or maybe 24. And um, it was full. It was a pretty full house. Yeah, 24, you're like overflowing to the front area. Yeah, you've got two games going on up front, yeah. Well, I got 10 minutes thanks to my illustrious El Cheapo Zoom. How about we uh, do 10 minutes on the upcoming Christmas chaos? Sounds good. Uh, so that's going to be December 10th. That's going to be part two of our toy drive. We'll be back at D-Men. We'll be doing five rounds of old school chaos. But this year with a twist, uh, we're going to add two new cards. Um, Lorian, do you mind if I uh, piggyback off you to set up what those cards are? Because <laughs> they're escaping me. Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I could have. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I didn't know I was going to be on the hook. I could describe them. I'm not sure what they're called. So one is uh, they're both like uncards, you know, so they're, they're these yeah. from these joke sets. One is uh, it costs six mana. It's two red, four colorless. Uh, you boost your tutor. That's the first thing. But then you also get one of every color plus a colorless in your mana pool. So it's basically mana neutral. It costs six red to cast. And then, you know, the thought is you crack, you crack a boosty. It's a sorcery, right? It's a sorcery, right. Yeah. And then anything under uh, six mana that doesn't have a double uh, double pip, you can cast because you've got one of every color. So this card, do you want, do you want to mention both and then talk about them or talk about one at a time? Oh, I believe... That time. well, real quick, that card is called Opening Ceremony. Opening yeah. Ceremony, From and it, it it gives you all five colors plus a colorless, so you can cast six mana cards if you want. Yes, and uh, I I love this card because it makes mono red. I think a much more viable option. So with mono red, you already get fork, so you can fork your opponent's um, uh, tutor booster tutor. 
And you can play main deck Rebs if you want to, because um, blue is such a major color in the format. Because like pretty much everybody's going for five color, you know. So if you want to play a Reb or two, you're probably going to be able to hit something that's yeah. blue for your opponent. And you can and, play Blood Moon. And and you can play Blood Moon, right? Because like I'm not like I have very rarely seen any basic lands in any of these ridiculous <laughs> chaos no. decks that are just trying to play as much goofy shit as possible. Um, so yeah, it's it basically I think it makes booster it it like basically creates a new archetype where you can crack packs and you don't have to rely on being able to fork your opponents. So that's the first new card, and I believe that's from Unfinity or maybe Unhinged. And then the other new card is called um, Summon the Pack, isn't it? Yes. And that's a black, another black card. Black and seven. <laughs> so eight. Yeah. And that's a sorcery again? Yeah, sorcery. Brutal, I can dude. I can read it here. Uh, open sorcery, <laughs> black and seven. Open a sealed magic booster pack. Reveal the cards and put all creature cards revealed this way onto the battlefield under your control. They are zombies in addition to their other types. So I think Matt, initially, you did not want to legalize this card for the format, I didn't right? I didn't care I'm like hey do we want to like I'd forgotten about it I knew people wanted to play opening ceremony and then I'm like oh yeah this other one uh let's not do that <laughs> you know because it's so horrible but people want to play it so I expect we're gonna see some eight drops now <laughs> we're gonna see some eight drops sitting in people's hands and they're never gonna cast it yeah exactly because exactly. that's that's there's no way to cheat it and play it's a sorcery right it's a sorcery. It's yeah. a sorcery. Yeah, you would need like you would need to boost your tutor for some kind of card that could let you play cards for less mana. I think yeah. that, that'd be unlikely. If only but, it were an enchantment, you could just eureka it into play. You know? Oh yeah, good point. Good point. But, um, yeah, I I mean, if people want to play it, fine, so be it. But it's pretty stone cold unplayable as an eight drop. I might yeah. play a one of because. My, like you know you play fell warstone you play all the mocks and like you have a lot of mana and late i mean it is such a ridiculous uh card i feel like yeah especially if you do like there are goofy things that you could do with it you could get legions packs if you really wanted to maximize your value so legions is a set is an expansion that had just creatures there are no other cards in legions besides creatures so you get 15 creatures out you could do things like Concordant Crossroads, like you could build a deck, you know, like a green-black deck that has Concordant Crossroads yeah. and maybe some mana accelerators and some mana dorks. And then when you get your summon the pack, all that shit just attacks immediately. So I guess, yeah, with, with elves and dark rituals, you know, maybe you could really ramp into that eight-drop alpha strike. Nova yeah, mana, strike. mana vaults. I mean, it, it is yeah. just one black pip. Like, it is... You could do it. I mean, it's a stupid format, and you, you know, yeah. so why not? Yeah. Why not give it a try? You probably so, have to build around it. So yeah, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a fun, another fun uh, foray into the realm of chaos. You know, I don't think we're going to play extra time on the rounds. I think we'll just keep it at each round is sixty minutes, no sideboarding, and have at it. And and uh, people are just going to have to read their cards fast when they crack their packs. 
Yeah, oftentimes I, it's probably not the correct way because oftentimes the comments, you'll find good shit in the comments, but oftentimes I just go straight to the uncommon and the rare and just see what I got and then choose out of those four or five and then um well i i basically always cast the, the tutor as soon as i'm able and then it's like okay what mana do i have so now i'm basing i'm just scrolling through to see what fits in my mana slots or like what mana do i think i'll have maybe next turn if i really want to be patient but it's usually i, I want to cast something right away mm-hmm. or you just get a basic land i feel like <laughs> i feel like 30 basic. Like 30% of the time, I'm just getting a basic. I'm like really hoping for a dual land. There's no dual land in the pack, and I just get a basic, and it's fine. You're so cynical, dude. You're just like, (laughs) what's my incremental advantage? I'm going to crack this pack. No EV. Okay, what's my incremental advantage in this game? It just sucks getting getting like a five-cost bomb that you're just like, you cannot get five mana sources together. We So we are your friends from like, 1999 like trying to have these fun elaborate games and telling the story <laughs> and Lorian is just showing up and attacking immediately and we're like what is going on what can men do against such reckless hate <laughs> all right i'll i'll probably i'm gonna play at least one summon the pack how about that at least one all right we have i have a foothold on the meta now <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> um all right, so I'm getting down to the two-minute warning again. So let's go ahead and, I think, put a bow on this. So, um, again, two weeks from now, Christmas Chaos, Demon Tap, uh, Bring a Toy, Part 2 of the Toy Drive. Oh, and a uh, final shout-out to Andy McDougal, who's helping me get set up with the 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 uh, organization that we will donate all the toys to. Um, it escapes me, but we'll mention that later. <laughs> um, I think it was uh, Hospital Network is doing a Toy Drive. I forget which hospital network, but um, shout out to him for helping me out and get that lined up. Um, any final parting thoughts? No, sir. All right. Well, Mr. Picardo, thanks for joining me tonight. It's a good time. Thanks, guys. And Lorian, um, feel better soon. Hopefully, I will see you tomorrow for D&D. Otherwise, uh, I will see both of you guys uh, after Thanksgiving at Christmas Chaos. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Happy Turkey Day, guys. Gobble, gobble.